please don't revere me. I am an artist, please don't respect me. I am an artist, you're free to correct me. Pretty as a picture, this is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show, it's Nathan and GJ with you today. And we are going to be discussing the art of Warhammer Fantasy. We're going to go through our favorites, through the eras. We're going to talk a little bit about how it all changed. What's the best? What things do we love about it? How did it set the scene for each edition? It's going to be lots and lots of fun. Before we get to that, we've got some news and some hobby for you guys. GJ, as is only proper, would you like to start us off? Let us know what you've been up to. Sure, mate, but after last time, I'm afraid to say what I did because then you said, well, what I did doesn't really compare. So maybe you should like to start us off. You know what? Sure, sure, <laughs> I'll do it. I will start us off. And this is what I get for complaining. Uh, <laughs> the unfortunate thing is uh, I have almost no hobby. The, the one thing I did do, however, uh, in the last week was I painted up a model for our super serious paint challenge. It's the first time in a few months that I've been able to participate. And I, I took a lull. I took a little sneaky break from all of the schooling that I am doing. And I painted up a corn berserker. His name is Gorbral the Faithful. And uh, he is controlled by the uh, tentacle arm uh, that he has that has replaced his left arm. I wrote a whole little story about him uh, and uh, how he was uh, kind of blown up uh, and his uh, a nearby spawn was blown up as well. And through some dark miracle, the uh, part of the spawn fused with his body. And now this spawn is uh, kind of impersonating a corn berserker and and trying to figure out what what this whole thing is about. This whole being a uh, space marine is about. But luckily, uh, everyone in his warband is, is just as insane, so he fits in quite well, honestly. And uh, I had a blast with this guy. I've been really playing around with reds, uh, just to try and find a nice kind of deep crimson red for painting up. I have a bunch of corn berserkers. And I, I want to say that they're the third ed corn berserkers. They're the the uh, and then I realize that they're still the modern corn berserkers, uh, because sometimes Games Workshop gives you infinite numbers of Space Marines over the eras, and sometimes Games Workshop is just like, no, nah, they were released in 1999. They're still good, and uh, that's the case with these guys. But they're lots of fun. They're they're great models, and. Uh, I think I've had 40k on the brain, uh, at least since my buddy Patrick was like, hey, what if we did a 40k third edition campaign? So I've been painting up those when the mood has struck me and when I can steal a little bit of time from work. I'm not doing anything with the Corn Berserker necessarily. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, Crimson Fists and I've been painting up some of them for that campaign. Uh, but sometimes I just like to pick a random model in my collection and paint it, and that's kind of where Gorbrawl came from. So I am quite proud of him. He's pretty basic compared to the other entries in uh, our Super Serious Paint Challenge, but I still love him, and he is still a good boy. And uh, speaking of our Super Serious Paint Challenge, I got a lot of shout-outs to get to here. And uh, GJ, I think we shouted you out for your wonderful little zombie pirate, uh, Brian the Brainless. 
who got I his uh, so. brain shot out. I think I, so in the last I don't episode. I really remember, but I, yeah. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he is he is wonderful, but we've we've gotten some some new entries since that point as well. Nick Jacob uh, has a wonderful little ogre for us, uh, Gark the Quick, and uh, he is the ninja man-eater ogre model that he has painted up um, and uh, has provided us with a wonderful little story, and then even went so far as to show us uh, Karen, uh, his ogre boss, uh, who is pretty cool. I'm not sure where she's from as far as uh, miniatures lines go, but she is a... uh, uh, a mighty looking ogre and uh we also had a incredible entry from bruce sigarist um this is what's it and uh he is a hopping mad orc shaman uh savage orc shaman to be precise and uh bruce did just a, an incredible job of of pinning this guy I, I don't even know how he did it it has to be a very very small pin vice drill i think into the foot of this shaman but he is literally probably a centimeter above his base uh as he's hopping mad he's a beautiful paint job so colorful uh and so colorful in fact it uh inspired our next entry by yorn and yorn uh has his luanaverse which i am a huge fan of honestly i want to see the movies when they come out I, I don't know if he's in contact with disney yet uh to make some kind of deal there but uh Yorn, if you uh, are, um, please, uh, you know, get me a cameo. I would love that. And uh, so he has uh, uh, Manic Matthias, who is a very, very colorful, uh, crazy zealot uh, with shock white hair. And he's got a torch over his head. And he's just beautiful. Like, I I I can't describe, well, because this isn't a visual medium. (laughs) But honestly, if you haven't checked out some of the work that people do for our uh, Super Serious Paint Challenge, check it out. I mean, the, the challenge itself is not super serious, but the, the art on display certainly is. And uh, you're in coming through again on that one. And uh, I'll give myself a little bit of a shout out for Gorbrawl uh, because uh, I'm just happy that I have something. <laughs> yeah, you should. Sure, he fits right in. Yeah, he fits right in. And... Yeah, so fantastic entries for this month. Just incredibly, incredibly wonderful stuff. Um, So I've been very, very happy about uh, this challenge. I know I've said it a bunch of times, but I'm I'm still just floored each month at at what people produce. And uh, it taught me something I already knew, which is that I'm a very mediocre hobbyist compared to a lot of people. But that's cool. I just get to enjoy their incredible work. And, uh, you know, the, the, this challenge inspires some, some great things to be made. And I'm super happy about that. So big thank you to all of March, uh, all of our March participants. And uh, you can expect April will be up shortly. So that's going to about do it Look for me. Forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, so that covers the news as well, I think. Uh, but GJ, GJ, what have yeah. you done? What have I done? Yeah, that's, that's something that I, I lie awake in the middle of the night and, and ask myself as well. Um, as you know, I have been participating in the Gathering of Mighty Painters paint challenge these uh, past few months. And uh, this is the third month, and we had to paint the unit of at least five 
fourth edition models. And I'm doing high elves. Um, and I had the spearmen from the fourth edition box set. And I have two of those box sets, so there's 40 spearmen in all. Now I did one test model in December, but I also added a fourth edition high elf command group, um, at least the standard bearer and the musician and the champion. I uh, repurposed a fourth edition swordmaster for that. And then I added another command group from later era models, including some from the Island of Blood. Uh, and that combined with a um, bright wizard, I painted up quickly because I was expecting to do a game, but unfortunately we are now quarantined, so the game had to be postponed. And the zombie, that put me at 46 models that I painted these, this past month, which is a new personal record. And, well, speaking of not comparing to what other people put out, I am definitely at the low end of, of quality here, but um, it's just a great feeling to get all those miniatures painted, get them on the table, and the more I paint those monopose figures, the more I start to, to love them. It's just so easy to get them done, to just do the same bits on, well, I, I did them in batches of 13, so the same bit on 13 models and then turn them around and do the back and then all the same bits um, over and over again. It's yeah, very, very meditative almost. And then just uh, usually have some Warhammer stuff playing in the background, some uh, lore YouTube videos or something like that or a podcast. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a great month for me. I've had a lot of time to to paint, and uh, really happy about that. Awesome, that's so good. I know what you mean about those monopose models. I, I'm always such a huge fan. The high elf ones as well. I think are considering they came out in 1992, just so good because you can do a simple scheme and they look great. Or I've seen people who have just gone to town on them. And they look great, right? They're, they're, they were just so well posed. Yes. And they've got just the right amount of detail, I think, that you can either go wild with them and, and, you know, make them something really, really good. But even if you don't have to have the time or, or the, the energy or the skill to do that, if you just paint them up, uh, you know, in, in a decent fashion, they still look great, right? And they, they look so good in a big block, those spearmen. Yeah, love them. Yeah, that's uh, when I had my second batch done. I thought, wow, this is starting to look impressive. And then I had the third batch done, and then uh, other people also thought it looked impressive. So now they've been uh, posted for at least for the time being at the as the uh, what's it called the banner of the fourth edition Warhammer Facebook group, which uh, is an honor in and of itself. Oh, that's so cool. I had no idea. I'm pretty sure I'm a member of that group. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, sure you are. Let me check real quick if they're still up, at least at the time of recording. But yeah, they are. Oh, awesome. And then uh, I, I hadn't been consulted on this. They just, uh, I posted a picture and then they put it up. Even uh, Brainless Brian is there hiding behind one of the banners. And um, I said that, oh, if I had known that you were going to use the picture, then uh, I would have picked a better background because now I just had them on my 
um, this little cabinet with, with, with drawers in it, and in front of another drawer that holds my paint bottles, so it doesn't really look very good, but it's just uh, a nice big block of uh, pointy-eared elves holding pointy sticks. <laughs> nice, nice. You know what? I don't think I am a member of that group. I'm in two other Hero Hammer groups, but there seems to be an infinite number of groups on Facebook, so I I, I got to be in like 30 Warhammer groups. It's wild. My feed is just nothing but Warhammer stuff, which is yeah, just fine. Which, which is as it should be. Yeah. I've yeah. invited you to the group. Oh, well, thank you. So, uh... Well, that is awesome, GJ. 46 miniatures in a month. I don't think I've ever come anywhere near that. I might have... No, neither have I. Yeah, Yeah, my best might be somewhere in the 30s, I want to say. I painted my 5th Ed Dark Elves in kind of a manic frenzy over the course of a month. or Well, no, it would have been like three months. But I don't know what that would have worked out to. Hmm. Yeah. That's another... uh, I have a lot of the Metal Monopose Dark Elf Spearmen. They're they're the same kind of thing as the... uh, the high elf ones where you're just you know they you get them ranked up and you're just like man these look so good and yeah. secretly you're just like i spent so little time doing this <laughs> <laughs> all right well shall we move on to the uh main topic today main event yeah yeah, yeah. oh i'm looking at your your elves here gj they look great thank you nice nice I like the Swordmaster as the champion. He just works. He really does. Yeah, that's... Yeah. that's um, I scoured eBay for a couple of those command models, and uh, I have another set of command models that I'm going to put in with my archer unit. Um, except that I'm still waiting also on a musician uh, that uh, Josh is uh, going to send me from the Crown of Command podcast. And uh, when I have that, then I have a, then I have a full set of, of actual fourth edition command models. But as I was looking at eBay and then other places where to find these command models, I thought, ah, they've got the Swordmaster. It sort of looks right. It fits in. And then I did the same with the eighth edition Swordmaster for the other command group, uh, the Swordmaster Champion. Um, I, I also use him and the Swordmaster banner. Because when you have a couple of those Island of Blood sets, then you will have more command models than you have use for. So this was a good <coughs> excuse me. This was a, a great way for me of for me to uh, repurpose them. Yeah, it was great thinking. And I'm not the only one, so I can't take credit for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, for our main topic today, we're going to be going over the art of Warhammer Fantasy, talking a little bit about how it changed over the editions. And what we like, what we maybe don't like, and how each of these things kind of painted the picture of the old world, sometimes in very markedly different ways. To start things off, we're not going to do too much on the old Hammer era. There's some incredible art there. Uh, It's not, however, the eras that GJ and I are super familiar with. Um, we We will hit on it a little bit, though. For first and second edition, I just want to say that there is some incredible art that kind of inspires later pieces and even characters later on 
You remember good old Harry the Hammer, uh, the Chaos Warrior, gets his start on the uh, first Ed Warhammer rulebook and appears also on the second Ed Warhammer rulebook. Um, so things things like that that is is worth mentioning. Um, actually, I think he's on the third Ed uh, book as well too. Now that I think about it, but uh, he he got around a lot. That uh, that good old Harry. What I did want to mention about, and something we talked about on the pre-show, was the drawings in the Third Ed books. And they were kind of a precursor to something that we both love, which was the little uh, cartoon drawings in the margins of the uh, the Fifth Ed books. But these were really cool. They were just little kind of almost pen and ink line drawings. And they were fun. They just kind of set the stage. There was a lot of things that were just uh, hordes of of dwarves or orcs or that kind of thing. And they really just made going through the rules, which can be a very dry and and not super fun part of, of learning the game. They made it a little bit more interesting to be on those pages and look on those pages. Yeah, and I think those, stylistically, they also fit in really well with the whole typewriter um, font that they used in the second edition books. So it's just, uh, you you can imagine someone actually sitting at a typewriter going over this text in, in two columns and then leaving some blank spaces for someone else to take up a, a black marker, one of those Sharpies, and, and just... Um, draw some pictures there to to fill up the spaces it's oh. probably not how they did it i do with the way the lines are uh are typed it's it's probably uh, done on a computer because they are lined out uh, both left and right but yes the way i imagine this is is like um well what, what you also said on the pre-show this tiny little company in england who is uh just starting out and and making a game and and don't have much of a budget but they do want to put these materials out there yeah it's the kind of thing that feels really authentic to the era in which it was made and of course it is right this this art is all just done in house by by the guys there and i love the way you set that scene there because all i'm thinking about now is one dude furiously typing away on a on a typewriter you know you can hear like the the little swish and ding as he as he moves the the thing back and then he'll furiously like pull a page out when it's done ink's not even dry slams it on the desk next to him and then you see on the desk next to him there's a guy just like doodling in the margins and that's how i imagine that yes. those books were made i'm sure it's a hundred percent not that case but it is forever now uh how i feel uh that these were put together um that's how we're going to tell the story to our kids that is how we're going to tell the story and our kids will be like why are you talking about this you weird old men (laughs) 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 Uh, one of the things i wanted to mention too is some of the that early art really informs the look of the model lines to this day if you go back and look at night goblins in in the first edition in second edition you know the just the little black hoods, the 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 little black robes, and uh, the the grinning goblin faces. It's all there. Uh, Skaven, I, I've mentioned several times, came out as a fully realized 
species in in third ed and they really haven't changed much all the way to age of sigmar it's wild uh you can look at that original art and you're just like oh yeah i know what all of this is so it's really cool to see some of the stuff that was just oh hey this is a completed concept you know we we just got it in one and then there's other stuff that evolves so far over the years um one of the things yeah that... this is land for example yeah yeah uh, I, i'm i'm looking at them here now they're, they're just these uh upright frogmen with webbed feet and and they are slender and they've got all types of weapons and a little bit of an aesthetic feel about them but uh the weapons were later the weapons and the post were given to the sources and the frogs were given eh, a little bit of a more saturated fat diet no kidding yeah they really really let themselves go uh between uh between old hammer and hero hammer there was a uh you know maybe maybe they just decided they were going to live their best lives and their best lives included uh not moving and just eating just eating all the time <laughs> you know that's an interesting thing because i mean the slans are so huge but i have never heard of one story where they eat or what they no. eat is described like i'd love to know what the slan eat i mean they're giant toads so i assume I mean, toads will eat just about anything. Uh, they're terrifying. But I assume they would be mostly, like, carnivorous, right? You probably get some big bugs in Lustria, so... But, they, I mean, do the skinks just, like, feed them grubs and things? But they're also hyper-intelligent beings that are basically alien. So maybe they eat things that, are, you know, we would just wouldn't even think of, right? Maybe there's some kind of, like, weird nutrient thing. I mean, that goes back to the whole spawning pools thing, right, too, where that's just, like, super advanced genetic engineering goo. What does Slan eat? Please. Well, <laughs> I need to know. Do they even eat? Because there are stories where they just sit months on end pondering their place yeah. in the universe. Years on end. Sometimes centuries on end. Yeah, maybe they don't. Maybe they're just... Oh, maybe they munch on magic. Because they're well, super be magical. Cool. Oh, maybe they munch on too much magic. Maybe that's how they get uh, so out of shape. Yeah, <laughs> man, I need to know this now. Never this this podcast is now a slan slan food source speculation podcast. I'm sorry, Art, you had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll have to look it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gonna... Other other things that I want to mention just in the, before we get off the old hammer era. If you haven't looked at this era, and I know a lot of people just missed this era and i was one that missed this era for a long time too and i was telling gj before the show the only reason that i got into this old hammer era is that i started doing this show and wanted to go further back than my knowledge allowed me to where i started playing in uh fifth ed and so i i got into the the old history and the old lore but otherwise i, I would have no idea and i i think a lot of Warhammer Fantasy players are like that because, of course, the, the game didn't really get big un until the 90s. So if you have the time, if you have the, the will, really do check out some of the, the old art. It's, it's wild, it's crazy, but it's also recognizable in a lot of ways. And you'll see some of it continues on uh, through the eras. Like Army Books will, will feature some of that older art on occasion. Uh, kind of as a either a homage or just paying tribute to to where things started, but uh, yeah, do check that out if you haven't. Um, 
So GJ, let's let's start things proper here with Hero Hammer because this this is an era that yeah. we're both super familiar with. And yeah, I I came in at the tail end of Hero Hammer just when sixth edition was released, but everybody still had the fifth edition army books and everything. Uh, you were sort of born into the Hero Hammer era. I uh, I believe you told me uh, before the show. I'm putting it in my own words, by the way. Yeah, this, this reminds me of the uh, the the Bane quote from Batman. You merely in- inherited the Hero Hammer era. I was born into it. <laughs> that is my man. That is a bad Tom Hardy as Bane impression. I like Tom Hardy as uh, Venom a lot more. I can do that one a little bit better. You just you just go ooh Eddie. Ooh, I want to I want to play Warhammer Eddie. Sorry, I'm in a mood today. I I apologize. You, you you just want to have any excuse not to talk about Warhammer artwork, do you? <laughs> I, I, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, you you selected the topic, mate. I did. I did. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's good. It's good. It's fine. It's fine. I'm definitely not losing my mind. So <laughs> March Madness taking hold. Yeah, seriously. Now, this era, the, we're gonna lump fourth and fifth edition together uh as you should because they are really one edition uh and i will fight anyone who says otherwise but this is kind of the most cartoony that warhammer got and and this is this is my native era uh this is what i grew up with this is what i love and for me though there was a a great boldness to this era this era was so bright it was so colorful but it also just it bled a, a real confidence, a real like, hey, look how cool this is. We know how cool this is. You know how cool this is. And I, I really respect that about this era where, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't super realistic. It was super stylized. But you could put any of the Warhammer Army book covers on the side of a van. You could airbrush that on in like you know the early 90s and people would be like man that's dope that's so cool where did you where did you find this awesome image like what is this and i just can't get over how how good the uh especially the covers but but the art in general the mark gibbons stuff the wayne england stuff i i have all the time in the world for it um this, you can tell this 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 arrow will be Nathan just gushes over the style of Warhammer Fantasy. For me, though, it really set a tone. And that tone was, hey, this is fun. This is silly. We know this is silly, but we also think it's so cool. And I get that. I really do. I think for the most part, this era kind of matches the game style with the feel. You had the bright miniatures, you had the bright uh, paint style of the era, and you had the the crazy over-the-top heroes. You had the the combos of the magic items. You had the magic supplements that was just like, hey, do you need like a hundred magic items to or magic weapons to choose from? Because we're going to give those to you. It felt really evocative of the era. And, and as we move on, I think... It and 6th edition. 6th uh, edition definitely was very evocative of that era. But from, for someone who started in 6th and then came back to it, what, how does it feel for you when you look at these? Yeah, well, back in the day, I played a couple of games of 5th edition. Um, also some with 6th uh, edition rules and 5th edition army books. But 
also a couple of games of fifth edition, and then I sat in on a couple of those games where I where you could just uh, other people were playing and I was watching. And what I mostly remember about that era is the um, the magic phase because you have in fifth edition those cards and the magic phase in fifth edition and fourth edition is sort of like a mini game which happens every turn and that those mechanics that really um for me also fit the whole style of everything that you described including the artwork the paint style the, the styles of the miniatures um wacky not too seriously uh, this is fun uh, this is awesome um all of those words that that you use to describe it and that's what this also calls out to me and then when you look at sixth edition uh, then it becomes a lot more dark a lot more gritty a lot more serious more realistic uh, both in terms of miniature design and also in terms of the artwork of course um they they let go of this whole bright hero hammer era and they just go into a darker um yeah more grim dark setting and you find that with everything um and i think the prime example of that is bretonia where in fifth edition you had a bretonian knight who resided over his castle and whenever a troll comes along he rides out to meet it in combat and uh, the peasants flee to the castle and in sixth edition um it's just uh, oh just gave an attack uh with a with a plague uh, the bretonians they um the peasantry they they die by the droves and the bretonian lords just don't care about that um this is of course lore wise but it, it really sets the scene and you also see that in the artwork it becomes a lot more dark and grim and, and realistic and hero hammer just had that feel of um this is not only fantasy but it's also fantastic in in sort of every sense of the word uh, the the undead monsters they were of course they were undead but they weren't scary undead they were well, I'm not going to say goofy but if so they, they were like somebody dressing up as a skeleton for halloween uh, sort of not the uh, um ultra realistic blood and gore texas chainsaw massacre horror movie kind of Undead. Well, there's no undead in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but you know what I mean. I do. I do. That's uh, it's a good point. I think you're you're right on the money. Pointing out Bretonia because no one changed more than Bretonia between fifth and sixth edition. It was it's almost unrecognizable, honestly. If you flip those two books and look at the the difference in the art, and I think that's one of the few books where almost none of the art carried over. Uh, between fifth and sixth lizard men were like that as well but lizard men got that range refresh as did the bretonians um yeah but they really changed the 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 vibe of the lizard men as well in between those eras i think with sixth ed sixth, sixth ed knew what it was going for and it had a model for it and that model was was more time more time really kind of 
ushered in the sixth era, dark, gritty. Uh, it was kind of the in between the the hero hammer and, and the uh, the sixth ed. And for sixth ed, it seems to me like Games Workshop kind of I want to say they toned things back because yeah, every, everything is still very fantastical, but. There's a lot more blood and a lot more gore, viscera. I remember in the sixth ed rule book, just seeing all of the 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 little bits of artwork where some poor empire soldier is either dead or about <laughs> to be dead, and just thinking like, why, wh- why did you do this? Why, <laughs> like, why, what is going on with these poor empire soldiers? They're just getting absolutely slaughtered. Um, and that's not to say that the art wasn't great. It is, and it fits the tone. It was just such a stark tonal shift, and we see it coming. We saw it coming, I guess, in 1998 when Third Ed, uh, 40K comes out, and it it does that same tonal shift. Um, one thing though that I really respect the Sixth Ed art for that I didn't so much, I think, during the era was the way that they did a differentiation, I guess, between some of the things so for example elves in sixth edition where in fifth they were kind of pointy-eared humans they you know they they might have been a little bit drawn a little bit skinnier uh they're a lot more alien in sixth edition you can see it kind of uh i think mostly in the high elf book honestly there's a couple of pictures in the high elf book there's a uh, a kind of inner cover art that shows a very I want to call it alien-looking elf uh, spearman. And then there's another wizard kind of further in where it's talking about magic, where you can see that, oh, yeah, like they're, they've got these very pronounced features. The eyes are off. Uh, they've got, the, the, of course, the elf ears. And they just, you couldn't mistake them for human. And I, I think that was a, an improvement for them overall because it does help differentiate them. Uh, the other one I wanted to kind of hit on here was uh chaos chaos has always been really strong in the art the third edition uh realm of chaos books have some of my just favorite art of of all time it's it's weird it's crazy those pages they have um borders around the pages that are just full of this very flowing chaotic artwork that just frames the book so magnificently but in sixth ed we got into this very interesting especially for hordes of chaos so the demons and the mortals we got to this almost body horror-esque era uh, where there was a lot of spawn and things represented in the artwork that were just these weird flesh monsters and they were so off-putting they were so gross and and visceral and it works so well for kind of bringing home the horror of chaos that you just don't get in the hero hammer era because you've got this very cartoony look about them. I don't think I have seen, uh, maybe that's a lie. I, maybe I've seen one artwork of a, of a spawn in the hero hammer era. I think I have somewhere. Uh, but there's, there's so much more of just this, like this body horror esque. What am I looking at in sixth edition for chaos? And it, it really brought it home just like, oh, like, this is, this is awful. Like, this is what chaos does to people. 
<laughs> it should have been part of like an anti-chaos, like don't do drugs ad. You're just like chaos, not even <laughs> once. <laughs> and your brain on chaos. Yeah, your brain on this is your brain on chaos, and it's just this <laughs> screaming mouth tentacled thing. Um, so that that's really really good. Um, and, and I felt that the artwork represented this better than the miniatures did. Because the miniatures in 6th edition for Chaos Day, and, and also for later eras, they s still look sort of tame. And of course you have the, the Chaos Spawns, and yeah, you have some of the demons that look really creepy. But these things that are sort of unique in every way, with mouths erupting at places where they shouldn't be, and, and tentacles, and, and fleshy protrusions, and... I, I, yeah, it's difficult, of course, to get that in a plastic model kit, but I would have loved to have seen some more of those things on the tabletop really encapsulate that the feel of chaos. Yeah, they certainly could have leaned into it more on the model side, and they didn't really... I did love the metal spawn of that era. Uh, unfortunately, it was only a single model, right? So you had to do modeling work to it if you didn't want your spawn yeah. to look the same. And I'm off two minds about the modern era Chaos Spawn because it comes with a ton of really good bits and tentacles and eyeballs and all sorts of fun things that I think more kits should come with. But at the same time, you're always building off the same base, the same body. Yeah. So even though you have, yeah, you've got arms in different places, you can put the eyes or the mouths in, in various places, they still tend to look a little samey, which is unfortunate. And I... I don't know if there's a, a great way that you could build a totally modular spawn, but I think with the technology that you have nowadays, if they were redesigning it, maybe you would get that. Although they also don't like multi-part kits that much uh, anymore, at least modular multi-part kits. I shouldn't say that because the kits have gotten ridiculous. So you can build it one way, but it's in 90 pieces. Well, why is it in 90 pieces, Games yeah. Workshop? Um, but yeah, I, I totally. But that, but that was that was already with those uh, big end times miniatures like Magash. Yes. And, uh, the Mortarks. Yeah, yeah. How about Seventh Ed? It's a weird kind of in between one for me because it, yeah, it, it is. It has a lot of the vibes of Sixth Edition, but I think it it borrows a little bit more of the fantastical than than Sixth Edition does. And it seems like it's in a weird place. I mean, seventh was always in a weird place. It was it was always built. It was built off of sixth, but it seemed to just kind of make it a little bit duller. And I, I almost feel like that carried on to the art as well. I just I didn't feel that same energy that I felt in fifth and sixth edition. Right? They're they're very different energies. Right? So fifth edition is all about the the cartoony, the bright, the awesome, and sixth edition was all about the grim and the gritty. And I felt like seventh edition was maybe a little bit lost between those two places. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. What do you think? Well, there, there are several of the images in the sixth edition army book and, and the rule book that are also ported over to seventh edition. But I do feel that in general, when when I browse through the seventh edition book, it's a little bit more cleaned up. It's still that that grim dark feel that they had in sixth edition, but it's a little bit more. Um, I, I'd like to say less gory. It's it's more action shots and less poor Empire soldiers getting fragged in 
various creative ways. <laughs> yeah, that, that is it, right? You you see less suffering of, of the poor empire uh, soldiery. Oh, but... Still a little bit. I, well, I yeah, you can't. Uh, uh, th by the way, one of my uh, favorite pieces of artwork is in, in both the 6th edition and 7th edition. There's the one that goes with the uh, regeneration special rule. Uh, you see a couple of river trolls being assaulted by empire soldiers, and one of them just vomits once empire dude full in the face. Um, says orcs and goblins were my first army, and this troll vomit attack uh, it really fit the theme of the orcs, and it's 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 nice, it's um, it's humorous, and then to have it see it represented in the rule book in such a way that's uh, really nice um, it helps visualize it even though maybe you shouldn't visualize it and then there's bits of bones and then like fish uh, fish bones in there coming out um, but in, in general when you look at the 7th edition rule book most of the artwork is a little bit less gory and there's a lot of uh, box art in there as well like the uh, the drawings you got and, uh, like on the front cover of the army books on the front cover of the boxes whereas in 6th edition um, almost all the drawings uh, yeah I'm not, not going to say all the drawings because you you also got that uh, what's that 4th uh, edition uh, Orc Shaman versus uh, Altharion, uh, uh, Elves versus Goblins. On the, uh, it's in there, the one that was on the cover of the fourth edition book. Uh, no, maybe not the book, but the army box, mm -hmm. the starter set. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, seventh is a little bit less gritty. Yeah, yeah. I'm honestly so glad that you brought up the River Troll attack picture it's the first time i saw it i think was in uh the dark shadows campaign packet and i don't know if it originated there or if it originated somewhere else but that picture always stayed with me because it's so horrible it someone just thought about okay what would this actually look like to see if you came upon this scene and just the, the Empire soldier covering his face after being vomited on. Because you know that man's face is melting off. Like, you know that. That's awful. Right? Like, it, it really struck home with me. And, and yeah, the, the soldiery attacking the, uh, the trolls in the mud. And it just seemed so grim dark, So just horrible. Like, like, what living in this old world would actually be. Which is terrible. Uh, so I'm super glad you brought that up. But yeah, I agree on all points there. Um, once we get into 8th edition, the art, I, the art is really, really good. In terms of like quality, the art is very much uh, in, I think it's kind of ultimate form. And it again, I think, even steps, takes another step from that 6th ed era where this brings back some of the color, but does so in a way that isn't cartoony like the Hero Hammer era was. So we get this kind of interesting look at the Warhammer world that is very detailed. It's also very colorful. 
And it's very, it's, I mean, it's still quite violent, but it tends to focus, I think, on a lot of caricatures, a lot of, you know, interesting um, single scenes. You see it a lot on the army books, right? Where each army book has a focused character that it's looking at. And uh, yeah, for, for me, I really do like the art of 8th edition. I thought they got it to a really good place. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on it? This was also the first time we got color throughout the books as well, which also helped. Yeah, those books are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. What what I what I noticed when I was uh, preparing for the show with the eighth edition books. Uh, let me grab one right here. I put it out a random one. Empire. Um, a lot of the artwork in the in the books is. Well, it is colorful, but it's also sort of, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, a bit fuzzy, maybe, um, in that you don't have many well-defined lines. It's it's almost a bit um, impressionistic, is that the correct term? I, I think you're right there. The, the, some of the artwork, well, obviously not all of it, because it's done by different artists. But if you look at, for example, um, what did I saw? The steam tank. They've got a, a drawing of a steam tank, which is, um, if you want to look it up on page 50, then the steam tank itself and the cannon, it's it's, it's a bit hazy the way it looks. and And the lines are not well-defined and uh, some of the the colors are in places where I feel they shouldn't be. It's just like they've been drawn over the line a little bit. And um, the the face of the tank engineer is not really clearly visible. It's it's more about light and dark and and more about colors and and contrast or, or the lack thereof because a lot of these images are almost in a sort of monochrome color scheme. Um, not all of them, but I think I feel that started with the, the Tomb Kings back in 6th edition. They they did that and they had these on the, on the boxes and on the army book, they had this orange, yellowy and, and, and a bit of brown and beige and, and that was about all the color you got for the whole art piece. And for the rest, it was just uh, different use of those same colors. And I felt that they continued that in 8th edition. Um, not with all of them. Uh, for example, if you look at the Vampire Count's army book cover, it's got a striking contrast with uh, the, the blue and white background and the black bats and the red cape of the vampire. But a lot of the artwork is... Um, a, a tad undefined, I would say. And this is me being pretending to be an art critic, which I am obviously not. <laughs> I think you, you're right on. And I didn't really notice it until you mentioned it. The vampire counts are certainly the outlier amongst the covers, at least, of 8th uh, edition in terms of pure contrast. It, it makes it look brighter even than, than the yeah. other books just because it does have that contrast the books to me seem to have yeah the i guess the art pieces seem to have a little bit more of a 
specific theme that they're going for. So you don't, you, yeah, you don't necessarily get a lot of contrast. I noticed I was just flipping through the uh, High Elf book and uh, I, I just noticed the sheer number of painted pieces in there. And I, I think that was the case with a lot of these books is that they, yeah, they did a lot of every new, unit entry. Yeah, they did a lot yeah. of new art in this era. And uh, maybe that's kind of what that's maybe that's what's kind of throwing me off about some of this is just realizing that, oh, yeah, like there wasn't a whole lot of recycled art in, in this era, as opposed to like seventh borrowed heavily from sixth. And even like these ones would still throw in the odd homage to, to older art still. Right. And yeah. uh, I, I just don't know how much of that we see going through eighth ed. Um, which is really interesting, honestly. It was that's a something that I, I didn't realize until just now doing this show. Yeah, they did do a lot of new art pieces. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I also hadn't really thought about it. Uh, I mean, in the in the sixth edition army books, uh, you have especially in the army list section, you have those drawings of the different units. Um. And usually they they depict them all, not always. If, for example, I look at the, the Tomb King's army book and you have a special unit section, you have on one page Tomb Guard and Ushapti and on the other page Carrion and Tomb Scorpion. And then you've got these black and white drawings of Ushapti and the Tomb Scorpions and the Carrion flying over the battlefield. Um, uh, so all of those or almost all of those unit entries are represented in there. Um, and they are also represented in the in the sections before that where you get the the rules explained, the what's it called? The the, the bestiary. The bestiary? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, be, bestiary, yeah. Bestiary, yeah. yeah, thank you. I learned that word through reading, so that's uh, uh sorry for butchering that. No worries. But um yeah of course those are those black and white drawings and they fit the style and and they show you what those units should look like but then in the eighth edition they redo all those drawings in color and that does add a little bit more to it than just the black and white though both have their place i think certainly certainly i'm i'm a big fan of simple black and white images if if you can make something that is so simple but still convey the same feel as a fully colored art piece, I almost feel like there's more raw skill in that, right? If you can do it simply. That being said, I, I love the colored that. stuff. I love the black and white. It's yeah, it's all good. It's all good as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, this is this has been really fun to kind of look at the additions from a, a bird's eye view. We did have a couple of fun things that we wanted to do before we wrap up here, and that was choose a favorite cover and a favorite, and maybe a favorite art piece from each of the uh, editions from uh, Hero Hammer to uh, Eighth. Um, so, if if you're satisfied with what we've uh, what we've covered as far as like the bird's eye view goes, uh, we can. We can start yeah, that. Yeah, there's just uh, one thing I would like Certainly. to mention in this context. And it's purely personal, but 
when I browse those army books, then the pictures of uh, fully painted armies with just the miniatures, um, they oftentimes speak to me more than the art pieces do. Not always, uh, but in many cases I prefer to look at those uh, actual battle scenes or those those pictures of the miniatures than the artwork. And I don't really know why that is for me. I, I haven't really found that out yet. It's just something that I um, I noticed when I was preparing for this episode that this was the case, that my eyes lingered more on the on the pictures of miniatures than on the pictures of drawings of those same miniatures. That's really interesting. You know, I I think I compartmentalize them a little bit, but if anything, I might be the exact opposite. I think the art tends to steal my attention more than the miniature pages do now that I think about it. That's a really interesting observation. I wonder yeah, I wonder why that is. I, I wonder if it's just that's that's kind of what your brain enjoys a little bit more or it's a little bit more tangible because it yeah, is maybe. the actual miniatures. That's so cool. Because, I, yeah, I do think I might be the exact opposite, but I've never thought about it before. Huh. No, me neither. So, so maybe we should both go to a psychologist and have our heads examined to see why that is the case. Well, I mean, there's like a million reasons I should probably go there, but yeah, yeah, that's that's what we'll open with. We'll be <laughs> like, why we'll do I like that. the uh, why do I like the art more than the miniatures in these books? Uh, <laughs> you know what though? Like, I also go to the lore instead of going to the rules, just naturally, and going and I like going to the stories. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe I shouldn't play this game. I should just look at the pretty pictures and and uh, look at the read the lore. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. All right, but yeah, this is this is something a bit of a seg, a, a bit of a sidetrack, but that's uh, uh, yeah, no worries. Yeah, well, one right. of the things I noticed. All right, so Hero Hammer, what's your uh, what are we gonna do first? Favorite cover? Oh my god, I guess, I guess it's like choosing between all of my favorite children, and I have so many children in Hero Hammer, GJ. It's it's wild. <laughs> um, oh man, you know what? Uh, no, there's there is only one answer for me. And this isn't going to be a surprise if you have listened to this podcast for any long amount of time. Uh, it's the Undead cover from Fourth Ed. Uh, I, the, the Undead book is my favorite book. I, I love that cover. I love the spooky cartoonish skeletons. The way you described it earlier, like the dude in a skeleton costume, is so right. And I just love it so much. I love the medley of units that they gave you on the covers of, of the Hero Hammer era that kind of gave you a sense of what you would be finding within this book right you get all these guys i love the necromancer i love the bat-winged uh skeleton knight it's just it's so cool um honestly though the only cover of this entire era that i don't genuinely love is the fifth edition realm of chaos because it broke the theme uh by just being like a skull with the rune of corn on it behind you know with the eight pointed star behind it and it, it wasn't like that sweet kind of medley of, of units that most of the other ones were um but it's just it's so blah so blase compared to all of the other books yeah. so yeah that, that's gonna be mine and uh I, I man there's really not a lot of wrong answers here gj so what are you going for 
No, I, I had considered the Undead book as well, also because it's my favorite book of the Hero Hammer era. But then I looked at the cover and I thought, it's good, it's definitely good, and like I said, there are no wrong answers, but is it really the best purely based on artwork? And I sort of then moved on to 5th edition, and for me it was a bit of a toss-up between Bretonnia, Doctor 4, and Vampire Counts. And I think I will go with Vampire Counts, just because that one is um, a bit darker, a bit scarier compared to the Undead book. It was but a... it's also this... Um, it, it, it really encompasses to me the feel of this is an evil army and you're going to know it. That's we're around to get you, and we're not going to stop until uh, you're you're shambling along uh, behind me. Nice. I I think you're you're bang on. It was a a wild one to see. I remember when it came out. Uh, my my friend got it, and looking at the cover, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, when did things get serious? Like, this is this is so dark. It's so spooky. It looks legitimately like there's some scary stuff on the cover. And the, the fact that it all goes in, in purples, blues, and reds, you know, it had that such strong theming to it. Mm. I, it's a great yeah. cover. It's a great one. And uh, just while we're on the subject of Undead, I'm going to uh, throw an old hammer shout out uh, to one of my, my favorite pieces of artwork of, I think, all time, but especially the, the old hammer era. And that is the Skeleton Legion artwork that uh, appears it appeared on the old box of, of skeletons but it's also uh used as the cover for the restless dead in warhammer fantasy roleplay like the first edition of that game and it's just a, a legion of of skeleton marching past this gnarled awful tree and uh that art always really spoke to me as well just while we're on the subject all right oh yeah that one yeah yeah, yeah it's so a good I just one looked it up uh, uh all right, now your edition, GJ. Six then. Right, six of it. Yeah. So you go first this time. All right. Um, also a difficult choice. I feel also that there are no really wrong answers. Yeah, nothing heinous here. No. Um, oh, I have to think about this. I... I do want to say orcs and goblins, but that's because maybe I started out with that book, so that doesn't really feel fair, um, because that's of course the cover that I looked at the most. But that, that big orc boss standing there behind those stakes, uh, contrasted against the the white mountain and blue sky. That's yeah, it's 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 a toss up for me between orcs and skaven actually, um, because the skaven book also. I think really encapsulates the feel of the race with that, uh, what is it, that warlock engineer standing there, all those rats crawling about, uh, dead dwarf that, uh, is he dead, is he dying, that's stuck in there somewhere, and, and they they are in this overrun dwarf hold. I think, I think I'm going to go with Skaven. Nice. That's a great one. The Skaven book, yeah, man, you talk about a, a shift change between the uh, the fourth ed one and the sixth ed one. Of course, there's a lot of years in between that, but uh, 
Skaven got nasty and gnarly in their books, and which is exactly what they should be. So it's uh, it's a good one for me. Uh, Dark elves, dark elves. It, it was a book that I looked at a lot. Um, honestly, the best thing about the book is the cover. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of good parts about that book. the The art is fantastic. The uh stories are great uh, the rules are uh present i guess and for me it's it's a little bit like the vampire counts book in fifth ed was for you just these these hues of pinks and purples you get a little bit of high contrast there but the whole thing's bathed in darkness everything looks just mean and nasty like you get the sense that like these this is this is evil that you're looking at this is just yes. evil and they're going to come and they're going to do bad things to you and uh so that is an absolute favorite of mine close second has to be the vampire counts i love the look of the charge of the the white cavalry and the blood dragon vampire in the front and honestly point for point i think the vampire counts has the best art within the book itself i just adored that art uh especially the the necrarch vampires that classic nosferatu look oh oh so good six ed vampire counts are just special in my in my mind i i thought they were the pinnacle of of what the undead ought to be unless you're going to combine both tomb kings and uh vampire counts which you should, but which you uh, should, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I re- I remember back in the day when a friend of mine had that book, and I had orcs and goblins, and uh, uh, some other fl- friends had other books, and I I looked through this vampire kinds book, and what really struck me was that some pages, uh, you just had a black background with white letters printed over them, uh, instead of the usual black letters on a white background, and and also the the margins were a lot more filled in. I, I, the, the, the black penmanship, the black ink, it crept um, further towards the text than it did in other army books. And I think that really added to the look and feel of this dark, evil race that's uh, basically just a bunch of dead people um, who have forgotten to be dead i want that on the back of the next undead book that comes out (laughs) for the old world just a bunch of dead people who forgot to be dead (laughs) that's a great summary you you know what i hadn't thought about that but you're right The the whole feel of that book is makes you think that you're reading some kind of like yeah necronomicon or forbidden yeah for forbidden what yeah yeah, what a great insight there and i hadn't thought about that at all it's that's a book you know what? I used to have that book, and I think I don't know how I lost it, but I I don't have it anymore, and that's one that I'm gonna have to get for myself again. I don't really collect books outside of the the Hero Hammer era, but there are certain ones that I I very much would like to to get my hands on, and uh, that Vampire Counts one is is certainly one of them. All right, seventh edition. Seventh edition is where it gets a little bit harder for me because I'm not super in love with any of them, if I'm gonna be honest. No, I, I, I can see what you mean. Yeah, uh, but that yeah. might also be the the whole sort of stigma that Seventh Edition has acquired over the years. Yeah, yeah, and I mean some of some of it's fair, and, and some of it's probably a little bit of hyperbole. You know, we just remember how bad some of the the books were looking at you demons, and <laughs> yeah, for me, they just don't read as well 
some of them. Like you look at the Dark Elf book, for example. So the Dark Elf book did something very similar to what they did in fourth edition. You have a sorceress, you have a knight on a cold one, you got some spearmen and stuff. You don't have the uh, the bikini witch elf taking up all the foreground, unfortunately, but you know. Uh, but it just, it feels less fun, less full of life. It just, I don't know, it, it looks a little bit more, uh, I guess, banal, I, I guess is the term. Yeah. But- yeah, it's it's, um, it's it's sort of in between the funness of 4th edition as to the color scheme, but it's still got that dark feel. It should have the dark feel that 6th edition had, but they just don't manage it. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you've got it there. You've absolutely got it there. I think for me, I'm going to choose the Beastman book for my favorite one for this one. This is one that I feel like does do pretty well with having having some fun character to it. You get to see the the big minotaur in the background. Uh, it kind of harkens back to the sixth ed where you see a few like a, an empire soldier that you're just like, oh, that man's going to die. And uh, yeah, you get the, the big goat heads and stuff. I, I, I do like that one. Uh, there's a few that I think are pretty good. The high elf one, I think, is pretty good. Vampire counts. I don't know about the super shiny red armor, but it's it's still one that I, I have time for. I felt really disappointed with the orcs and goblins. To I, I something about the 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 size of the boar and the size of the orc. I I don't know. It just didn't feel right from a I guess perspective of of like how big things should be. And I don't know. There was something off about that. And uh, yeah, so beastman for me. Um, I would also say Skaven's pretty good too. What about you? Yeah, well, I I agree with you with the uh, what the orcs and goblins. Uh, it, it's uh, I I like it in terms of the picture that's drawn and the idea that they are going for, and it harkens back also a little bit to that fourth at orc book with the the boar boys in the on the front cover. Um, but it's I think if you look at the orc, just the orc on the boar, it's fine. If you look at just the background, it's fine, but the combination of the orc, the huge orc on the huge boar in front of the, or, or actually next to all those tiny orcs in the foreground, that really doesn't work. And um, I feel they could have done a bit more with that. For me, I think I once again have to defer to the vampire counts. And, well, sort of what's, what we also already mentioned about the 8th edition book cover. The red contrasts really prettily with the the blue and gray tones of the rest, and it also yeah I, I think the red armor it it fits with the vampire especially with those uh, uh, blood dragon vampires and they they also did some miniatures like that um, I believe Conrad has uh, red armor some of the blood dragons have red armor and I think it's sort of also a um, a way to distinguish your characters from the mass of uh, rotting flesh and bone-colored troops that you have. That's a good point. It does yeah. speak to the theme of the army where you have a nigh-infinite supply of just the worst uh, infantry that you'll ever come across, but then you have these incredible characters at which the entire army pivots around. And yeah, the the desaturated aspect of the rest of the cover really 
throws the vampire into the foreground, makes him look really, really bright. So, yeah, yeah, no, good choice. Yeah. And, and uh, fun fact, I uh, read up for an article I was doing about the uh, sack of Rome in 1527. Uh, I believe it was the sack of Rome. I, I don't remember. I, I did an article about several of those historical battles. And um, there was one in which a commander, I believe it was with the sack of Rome, yeah, a commander, he wanted to be recognizable for his troops, so he wore a white cloak. And then the troops on the wall, they saw, hey, there's a guy in a white cloak, why don't we just snipe him? And they did, and he died, and then um, everything went very badly. But it's sort of the same thing here with the vampire standing out in his red armor amongst the desaturated troops. Except that the vampire, uh, he can be cocky and he's got a reason to. He, he can still blend you to the ground. Uh, whereas that dude, this, this Duke or Baron, I forgot his name. He... Uh, um, uh, he was just there and, and just a regular human that was uh, susceptible to musket fire. Well, I mean, that I like that story. It, it tells a good uh, cautionary tale about trying any of this stuff in uh, in real life. Uh, so maybe don't try and stand out uh, in a war zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really neat. I like that. All right. Let's finish things off in eighth edition here. What speaks to you in this era? Well, first thing, when you compare those 8th edition books to each other and to the other books, um, there's just this one character at front, uh, and and that's really, it, it draws the focus, and that's, I think, um, one of the best things about the whole artwork in 8th edition is how they... They got this focus here on the cover. Uh, this is what is what it is about. Uh, the Tomb King's army book has got this Tomb King with this huge glaive. The Vampire Guy's army book has got a vampire. The High Elf's book has got, got an elf with uh, uh, this, these nice big uh, wings on his helmet. I think I like the High Elf one best, but it's also a bit difficult to choose because they are in a way, also all the same. I totally agree with you there. It's really, I've been going through these and I've been like, I oh, mean, I got to choose one of these, but they're all good, but I have trouble having any of them stand out for me. So I'm, I'm glad that I'm not alone on that one. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I do like the, th the strong theming there, right? You do get a sense of, okay, this is what this army is about. You know, the, you're looking at the dwarfs. He looks very grumbly, very stoic. You know, he's going to come and cave in your head with his big hammer. Awesome, right? Uh, the Empire soldier holding the line on top of this barricade. The high elf just looking haughty uh, and looking like he's, he knows how much better than you he is. It's all very on brand, I think, for each of these. Yes. But it does make it hard to choose. Yeah. I think I would go with... Maybe the Wood Elves for mine, or it's either it's either the Wood Elves or the Dark Elves, or maybe even the Tomb Kings. But the Tomb Kings might be just that I watched the 1999 Mummy recently, and uh, so I've got that oh, in my head. That's a good 
<laughs> it's a fun a one. Huge uh, cult following, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, I I made the mistake when I was in class of uh, talking to a couple other classmates who were big into those kind of movies, and I was like, yeah, I don't know how good of a movie it is, but it's super fun. And they got very offended by that. And I was like, no, 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 I'm telling you, it's fun. I enjoyed the experience. I just don't know that it's necessarily a great movie. But they were hearing none of that. I'm going to go with the Wood Elves for mine. That's that's going to be... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say good choice, but yeah. they, they are all... They're all good choices. They're, good they're choices, all good art. Yeah. 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 What about you? Uh, yeah, High Elves. Oh, the High Elves. Sorry. I'm, I'm Sorry. going yeah. to go with the High Elves. My uh, brain uh, yeah. completely forgot everything after the mummy, apparently. That's that's how you reset, <laughs> Nathan. All right. Well. Well, maybe that, that means it's time to uh, round off the episode. Yeah, uh, I think it is. I think it is. I, I You know what? Art might be an, a topic that we can come back to at some point because there's so much here. Uh, I'm going to do one last shout out. And, and if you feel the need to as well, I just really wanted to say the warhammer fifth ed campaigns uh circle of blood grudge of drong idol of gork perilous quest and tears of aisha have some of the best artwork i have ever seen uh in warhammer the 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 art pieces that they chose to use for them are just so perfect it's so encapsulating of the themes of of those campaigns and uh, I love them so much. I think they're, when I saw them as a kid, I immediately wanted all of them just based on the artwork. I didn't even know what they were about. I didn't know that they didn't come with miniatures or anything. Circle of Blood, I think, is incredible. It should have been a uh, army book cover. It should have been, really, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's so incredible. Uh, the the winged helmet, white, uh, and his, his glowing green sword. I'm just a sucker for a, an armored skeleton. That's it. Like you want to get me on board with something, show me an armored skeleton. I'm just like, yeah, that's so cool. But uh, yeah, maybe we might come back to this topic at at some point because there's so much more we could talk about as far as art goes. Oh, yeah, but we, we're just we, we up just, against uh, it today, unfortunately. Uh, pick but, out each of the army books in turn and and go through them and each of the rule books. And, yeah, yeah. Someday yeah. maybe we'll do a, a deep dive that'll include the art on like each army book. That'll be that'd be insane, but it might be fun. Um, yeah, was there anything you'd like to shout out before we end this one off? Um, well, yeah, for me, it's um, what I sort of forgot to do in preparation, but I'm glad you didn't pick up us on is the, uh, the End Times art. Um, okay. Yeah, it's, it's not really a shout out. It's more like, uh, yeah, it's there. And it sort of continues, I think, on the theme of 8th edition. Um, but I do really want to go back to the uh, 5th edition rulebook with the little tiny drawings that they have on the on the bottoms of the pages. Yes, uh, thank you. Um, and each of those, and I, I think that's that this book does it really well, each of those tiny little things, they tell a story and they they are usually battle scenes but they are all funny in a way um but what uh, what i really like is that they all also tell a story about what is happening um just picking out a random one here on page 22 you have a horde of orcs approaching a dwarf cannon uh, embankment and you've got a couple of 
dwarfs sitting there. Uh, one of them's got his heels covered. You've got a cannon firing. It misses the orcs, but it blows the top off of the banner. You see the silhouettes in the background with some spears and an orc sword. You can just imagine what has been going on here and what is going on. And a lot of these are um, really well done and they fit the Hero Hammer theme, which is this sort of goofy, we don't take ourselves all too seriously, um, but also they show you what, what, what those static miniatures on the battlefield are actually doing and what's what's actually happening here that's a great point i love those so much i'm so glad you remembered to mention those for me it was always a reminder too that this is a silly game and silly things will happen and like you just imagine dumb stuff like these like cartoons so the the one that always sticks in my mind of course is the uh dark elf cold one riders one of the cold ones is uh, has is sunning himself on a rock. The other one is sniffing some poop, and the uh, the third one is turning on its rider. And you're just like, oh yeah. So then, when they fail their stupidity test, this is what's happening. I love that so much. I think it's so characterful. And you get the little dark elves with their crossed arms, and they're just so unhappy. And they're just like, no, no, we're serious knights. We are, we are evil dark elves. And the the cold ones are just like, doop 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 doop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, those are so good. They. Again, it, it goes back to setting the theme for editions, right? And w- what this game is about, ultimately. And sometimes, yeah, you need to be reminded to not take this stuff too seriously because it is silly toy soldiers for silly people. Um, yeah, great, great pull there, GJ. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I know we mentioned it on the pre-show, but not everyone can hear the pre-show, so... Uh, no, uh, where do you go, Nathan, to listen to the pre-show? Well, if you want the pre-show... You have to join us on Patreon. It's a new thing that we're doing that uh, anytime GJ and I do an episode, we are going to record usually the 20 minutes to half hour or longer in this in today's case uh, that we do before the episode where we're just kind of getting ready and chatting and that kind of thing. And we're going to pop that up on the Patreon as kind of a complete episode uh, that will just go right into the main show. So if you want some behind-the-scenes stuff, we had a great conversation on theme parks today. Uh, you can hit us up on Patreon. For any level of donation, you get access to all of our special bonus content. And this month, there's been a lot of stuff. There's been two episodes on the Witches of Warhammer Fantasy, as well as this new pre-show thing. And there's going to be a pre-show episode every time that GJ and I do one of these. I'm not going to do pre-shows when I'm doing episodes on my own because that would be crazy. And uh, I'm not that far gone. But yes. w- what a great segue. You're such a pro, GJ. That was a beautiful segue. <laughs> so good. All right. Well, we're not You're going <laughs> to get any better than that. So I think this is where we will end this one. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a 5-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard.
or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>